The main heart of the sermon was that, you know, that God is not dependent upon us, but we are dependent upon Him for everything. And the two things that we um, that we said in the sermon was that we're dependent upon God for our salvation and also for all of our daily provisions. Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor and here with my co-host, Pastor Daniel Ventura. It's a joy to be with you again, brother. Good to be here, brother, with you. Yeah, and today we're discussing our new sermon series considering the attributes of God with the goal of us meeting the living God. And so I began a couple weeks ago looking at a passage from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 21, where we ask the big question, can we even know God, mm. right? Is this even a, a possible endeavor that we're setting out on? And there we considered that Peter is explaining to us that they didn't follow cleverly devised myths, but that they were eyewitnesses of the majesty of mm. Jesus. And in the face of Jesus, they beheld the majesty of God, his glory revealed to him on that mountaintop of the transfiguration. And then we considered that, well, okay, we weren't there. And so what help is that to us for mm. knowing him? Well, he's revealed himself in human history, like there on that mountaintop. And those disciples and the prophets like them have left for us a record of mm. all that they witnessed. They are eyewitnesses of those events and that majesty. And amazingly, Peter says there in that chapter that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. And so even though we weren't there to behold the brilliant majesty of God shining through Jesus, um, and Matthew describes it as his face shone like the sun and his clothes were uh, brilliant white. Uh, we didn't have that light, but we do have another light. We have the light of God's word that reveals to us who God is. And so God continues to reveal himself to creatures like us, to humanity through his written word that has been preserved for our edification. And so the word of God is that source that we're looking at and looking to, to discover who God is as he has revealed himself to us. We can't know God as he knows himself. We can only know him as he has revealed himself to us. Mm -hmm. And he has done so through his word, which is reliable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that, brother. And that distance between God and man is so great, right? He's the creator and we're creatures. He's in a category of his own. So if we're going to know anything about him, we can't go and find out who he is, right? Trying to discover him in and of ourselves. But as you mentioned, like he reveals to himself to us in Christ and reveals himself to us in his word. And, and in that passage you preached on, I like what Peter says in uh, verse 21 of chapter 1, he says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that reminds us that, you know, what we do hold in our hands as Christians is the Word of God. And I think you gave us the encouragement, right, in your sermon to, to, to listen to God speak to us and reveal Himself to us by opening our Bibles and making that a, a practice. And that's something we want to do in this series is show how the different attributes of God lead us to more faithful living. That's right. Amen, brother. Out of curiosity, maybe you can share with us what your daily reading looks mm. like in the Bible. Are you following a particular plan right now? I'm not following a plan. Um, I usually print out like a little checklist that just has books of the Bible with their chapters. 
and just try to keep a general log of books I'm hitting so that I don't miss out on some of them throughout the year. Um, but I find myself somewhat cherry picking uh, different books. I don't always read chronologically okay. unless I'm reading okay. through maybe the, the, you know, the epistles or through the gospels. Sometimes I'm a little bit more chronological, but I kind of like just to dive into different books that are on the heart. Um, so yeah, I just read Habakkuk for the last couple of days, just randomly, you know, picked okay. that, picked that one to, to read. Um, but I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy reading it. I enjoy also listening to the Bible when I'm driving. Um, I just use the ESV app. Um, Kristen Getty, uh, one of the famous singers who's producing a lot of hymns, uh, it has uh, her version of reading the Bible, and it's actually just really enjoyable oh, to listen to. Is. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to listen to the Bible out loud, check out the ESV Bible app. You could read the Bible on there or you could listen to it. Um, but that's been enjoyable for me. That's how, about, great. how about you? Yeah, you know, here this year I began using the ESV Bible app and listening to Kristen Getty's voice oh, nice. reading. And in that app, you can choose different mm. plans to read through the Bible. And yeah. this year, I chose the daily lectionary plan. And mm. so it, it gives you a selection each day, some from the Psalms, from a prophet like Isaiah, also gets you into the Gospels and the Epistles. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just a, a beautiful kind of selection each day. And they're all kind of thematically tied together, which great. is beautiful and it's encouraging. Great. So, yeah. Yeah, I like your encouragement just in the sermon to be in the Word and as yes. families, right? To yeah. be reading the Bible to our children. Um, we're reading as a family through the Gospel of Mark. And um, for a little while, I was kind of reading big chunks, but it wasn't always helpful because I think it was a bit overload. Mm. So now we're just taking a bit smaller pericopes or sections and um, just meditating on, you know, the different miracles of Jesus, teachings Ooh, of Jesus. Nice. And, and that's been really nice. And so I think our kids have been enjoying that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, as Peter says in that passage, the main mandate for us or command of God is that you would do well to pay attention to mm-hmm. God's word as a lamp shining in a dark place. Exactly how we pay attention, careful attention to God's word is, you know, there's liberty in that and how mm-hmm. each of us will do it, but we must do this. If we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. We must follow the lamp of his word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, brother, as we move on in the series, you know, answering that question, can we know God? Yes, we can. Mm-hmm. We can know him through his word as he's yeah. revealed himself to us. And what was the first attribute that we considered after mm-hmm. that introductory kind of prolegama, the first word about yeah. how we can know God? What was the first attribute we considered this past Sunday that you brought to us? Yeah, we considered um, the attribute of God, his aseity. And aseity kind of falls under a big category of attributes that we sometimes call in theology the incommunicable attributes of God. And that's a, that's a big word, but it simply means that these category of attributes don't have any resemblance in man. So, you know, those would be, you know, God's incomprehensibility or that God is invisible, that he's spirit. Um, these are attributes that are unique to God. They don't have any resemblance in man. And, you know, versus his communicable attributes like his love, justice, mercy, kindness, patience, those have attributes that we reflect as human beings. But this particular attribute, God's aseity, is one of those incommunicable ones. And literally what that word means is that God has life in and of himself. Mm. And just to give one definition for this, that comes from the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is a confession that's confessed in the Presbyterian tradition. Um, It says this in the Westminster, God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient 
not standing in need of any creatures which he has made, nor deriving any glory in, but by, unto, and upon them. So it's a helpful summary that's just realizing that that everything that God is, he has in and of himself, that he does not depend on something outside of himself to give him life or wisdom or anything in regards to who he is, but everything that he is, he derives from himself. And where do we first see that about God revealed or implied, at least, in in the scriptures? Yeah, so this past Sunday, we looked at a number of different scriptures, but the first one we looked at is the opening verses of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 1, which simply says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, over the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And there you see that, when creation came into existence by the word of God, um, God himself existed before that, that he is that being that gave life and existence to all things visible and invisible. And Genesis primarily focuses on our earth and what is created that is visible to us. But this God that we believe in and confess was there in the beginning, even before creation. So before we came into existence and there was time and there was space and there was matter, God himself already existed. And as we learn later on from the scriptures, this God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one in essence, three in person. So in God, his triune self, there was perfect blessedness and love and goodness already, even before this world was created. And how does our understanding of the Trinity, as you're describing God who exists in three persons and yet is one true God in Mm. essence. How does that help us understand that when he created, it was not out of need in any sense? Mm. Yeah, I mean, as as we just confessed in that Westminster, I heard confess that God has all blessedness in himself. That that could also mean he's altogether happy in himself, Mm. right? Um, That God as triune is already blessed in his own nature as the the father loves the son and as the son loves the father and as the spirit binds the father and son together in perfect love and harmony. I mean, that's what we mean when we say God is love, Mm -hmm. um, right? That there's this beautiful community of love within the triune nature of God. So in himself, he already has all of this blessedness and it's, it's, it's already full Right. One of the ways that um, an ancient church father by the name of St. Anselm put it is that that God is already a perfect being. He, mm-hmm. he has in his nature already uh, a perfection that can't be increased. So if, if he created because there was some need inside of him to receive more glory or to get happier or to receive some affirmation, then there would be a lack in his being that he would need to grow in, right? Mm. So he wouldn't be a, an absolute or perfect being. He would be creating for that. Um, but the Bible reveals to us that that God was already in himself perfectly blessed because he is the God who is love. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Is there any vivid imagery in Scripture that kind of shows us this mysterious attribute of God, his aseity, that he exists in himself. I think you mentioned one in the sermon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one one image that we kind of sing about and, um, you know, that kind of comes up even in our hymns is almost like God is a fountain. You know, we think of that song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And there it talks about, you know, 
we were praying in that psalm that the streams of mercy that never cease uh, call for songs of loudest praise for us. And and it's this imagery of God as a, as a fountain that never runs dry, right? Um, you might compare that to like a cistern, something that holds water, but it has limits. You could mm-hmm. fill it up to a point, yeah. but if you keep pouring out of a cistern, eventually it's emptied. Um, but God is more like a fountain than a cistern in that he has life in and of himself and that life that is poured out into this world and to us is continual. And when God gives us life, when he gives us himself, he doesn't diminish in who he is. Um, Jesus says in the Gospel of John that that the Father has life in himself, and he has also granted the Son to have life in himself. And there's a kind of an explicit um, affirmation of God's aseity and who he is as this God who is the very ground of our existence. Mm-hmm. Is there any place, you know, sometimes God, when he's revealing himself to his people, he also reveals a name of himself. So his name, Mm. which is connected to that attribute and what he's displaying to Israel or to uh, the disciples of Jesus, etc. And he gives a name that speaks to that. Is there a name in the Bible that speaks of his aseity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in Exodus chapter 3, there's two things there that reveal to us um, God's aseity. This is the account of Moses encountering God at the burning bush uh, when he's being raised up to deliver God's people, Israel, out of captivity. Uh, the Lord re- re- reveals himself to him, and we read this in Exodus 3, 2. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And there's kind of an image of a Sadie where um, God shows up in this visible form in a fire, uh, but the fire is not consuming the the wood and the branches of the bush, right? Um, the, the fire is not using material to to be um, sustained in its life. And that's a picture of a Sadie that God doesn't need materials. Um, he doesn't need anything outside of himself to burn, to exist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there he is showing up to Moses in that way, um, which is incredible. But then Moses asked him, um, okay, you're, you're calling me to go to Pharaoh and to deliver God's people. You know, who should I say is sending me? What is your name? He asked him explicitly. And, um, and God says to him this in Exodus 3, verse 15, say this to the people of Israel, Uh, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And in verse 14, he reveals what that name is. He says, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And there's obviously a lot of mystery behind that, that name. There's even a lot of debate on even how to translate it a little bit. But I think what we can say is that it's a name that reveals that, that God is in a category of his own, right? When he says, I am who I am, uh, God is really showing us, showing Moses and his people that that he is different than all of the so-called pagan gods that rule in this world, that depend on things and people. God is in a category of his own. He is not dependent upon creation or his people to exist or to show them mercy and love, but he is the, the great I am who doesn't have those kinds of constraints and he's not coerced by anyone. And so he's showing Moses his complete sovereignty um, as God. And that will be incredibly encouraging and helpful as he's the God who's going to deliver his people from the chains of Egypt. That's so helpful to, to hear and understand this doctrine. One other 
thing that you mentioned in the sermon, brother, that really hit home and kind of brought it to clarity for me is the ways in which we are dependent and needy upon Mm. lots of other things outside of us in contrast to this aseity of God. And so what are some of the ways that you mentioned that we are very Mm. needy, whereas God is not? Yeah. Yeah, we, the main heart of the sermon was that, you know, that God is not dependent upon us, but we are dependent upon him for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the two things that we, um, that we said in the sermon was that we're dependent upon God for our salvation and also for all of our daily provisions. And when it comes to our salvation, I mean, we think about how we can't save ourselves, that as human beings, we, we sin against God. And at the heart of our sin is, um, a lack of conscious dependence upon God for all things, right? We, believe as image bearers that we can save ourselves, that we can create ourselves, that we can go our own way and be happy, that we don't need the Lord, right? Mm. And that is sin. And so God comes to us in Jesus Christ, the one who is life and who has life, and he comes to bring us eternal life through Christ. And, you know, you think about even just the incarnation, it's an amazing mystery in so many ways that this God who has life in himself and is not dependent upon anything would willingly and freely come into his creation and to be one who would take upon himself human flesh, which is inherently dependent, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, to be dependent is not sinful, right? When, when, when we are dependent upon others and upon stuff in this world, that's not sinful. Um, and that's what God took upon himself, uh, a dependent, needy human flesh in the person of Jesus so that he could redeem humans, uh, redeem people like us from sin and give us eternal life. So that was the the first point of dependent upon him for our salvation. That's great. That's great. And so he, the the eternal creator, the son of God, through whom all things were made and for, for whom all things were made, became a dependent creature in order to save us as mm. creatures, right? He became yeah. that little uh, fetus inside his mother's womb, yeah. uh, dependent upon Mary yeah. um, as her body fed him and nourished him and strengthened him. Mm-hmm. And then throughout his days, we see that he is needy like us in yeah. his humanity, right? Yeah. Taking rest and mm-hmm. sleeping and eating yeah. and drinking, uh, all of these um, needs that he took upon himself in mm-hmm. order to deal with our greatest need, which yeah. is reconciliation with God, yeah. uh, to restore us back in relationship with him, mm-hmm. to bring us back into uh, fellowship with the only one who can sustain our lives forevermore. Yeah, for and the sure. only one who can do that is the mm-hmm. one who has life in himself because yeah. every other source of life is going to run dry, mm-hmm. but not the one who has life in himself. That's right. It's an yeah. eternal fountain of life. Yeah. Eternal life, right? Amen. Yeah, you know, Jesus, you see, think about it. He, he is a, first and foremost a savior, right? The one who, who brings us back to God to have life. But in his life, he, he really is an example for us of what it looks like as a human to depend on God, mm, right? Yeah. And that was the second thing we considered of how we how we depend on God for all things. And and you see that with Jesus, you know, um, dependent as a man on the things of this world, like people and food and rest and water, but also just dependent upon his father, his heavenly father, yeah. that in his yeah. state of humility, yeah. right, he, he prayed to the father. He learned the scriptures. Um, he was dependent on God, the Holy Spirit, in his ministry that descended upon him to empower him with all that he was going to do. And I think in Jesus, we see how we are called to live as Christians, dependent on God every single day, right? Those who are conscious of how much we need the Lord. And, you know, that, that shows itself 
or should show itself in our lives and our in our prayers to the Lord, in the ways in which we rely upon his word, in the ways that we seek to abide in Christ and his teaching. Um, so we look to Jesus to, to save us and to be our redeemer, but we also look to his example of what it means to daily depend upon the God who promises to give us life. That's right. Yeah, it reminds me of how in his temptation in the wilderness after he was baptized, that Satan tempted him with one of his kind of bodily needs, uh, food, you know, turning Mm -hmm. this stone into bread. And Jesus' response was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter Mm -hmm. eight, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which comes from the mouth of God. And so he showed, yes, we are dependent as creatures upon God's creation. But Mm. more than that, we are ultimately dependent upon the creator. And like you said, he, he showed us how to perfectly depend upon, upon God and Mm. to depend upon his creation in reliance on the one who, from whom all blessings flow, Mm -hmm. right? His father. Yeah. And you know, that, that call was all the way there in the old Testament. You know, I think of um, God's warning to Israel in the old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter eight, when he tells them like they're about to go into the promised land, right? And they're going to enjoy all of these blessings. And he's telling them not to forget the Lord, mm, right? Yeah. Not to forget the one who has sustained them through their wilderness wandering and the God who has blessed them, even in the promised land, that don't forget the Lord when you experience the blessings of God. And I think sometimes we're in seasons of prosperity, right? Especially in the world that we live in here in the U.S. and California, Southern California, mm. with so much um, comfort and blessing it's hard to remember that these things are coming to us from God's kind hand, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that we're not to forget the Lord, but to recognize that daily dependence we have on him. And um, in the Old Testament, I love Psalm 121. And I think about it often, actually, when I'm driving north up Euclid uh, to Jiu-Jitsu, when I see those beautiful mountains, because <laughs> uh, the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And that psalm really just celebrates the fact that that God is the keeper of his people in their lives, right? And he is the God who doesn't sleep or slumber, the psalmist says. He's the God who is constantly watching over us. And so that's, um, I think, just a great encouragement to us as Christians that this God that we depend upon um, is is faithful, you know, in, in keeping us and protecting us. Amen. Amen. And we think of his faithfulness to keep us um in this life and also forevermore when Christ returns and brings us home into the new creation, that the aseity of God is also essential for us to understand eternity Mm. with him in in abundance of life. Because as John tells us in the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, that there will be no more night. They will need no light or lamp of sun. For the Lord God will be their light mm-hmm. and they will reign forever and ever. And so like our own particular sun yep. and this solar system mm-hmm. is an energy source that does not, or that will run dry. That's right. That has a yep. end point. Mm-hmm. Um, but God is, <laughs> is yep. not such as the sun, uh, right. but rather there is no end point because there is mm-hmm. no beginning nor end. Yeah. He is the beginning yeah. and the end, the alpha and mm-hmm. omega. Um, he has life in himself. Yeah. And so he can be that source of light and life for us forevermore. Yeah. I love that example of the sun because like 
the sun does seem so steady in the it sense does. that it looks constant because it's the same every day. Yeah. But it is a limited resource, right? It's right now there's explosions happening on the sun yeah. and it's giving off its life, but it's not getting that back, right? There's a there's yeah. a limit to it. But it's a beautiful example of how like in the new creation, God as our light source is not going to have um, that same kind of limitations. And it's an amazing thought. You know, these are these are analogies that God gives to us in his word because his, his nature is so great. But they do bring us so much comfort because they do communicate to creatures like us something of this awesome God that we get to worship. And mm. one thing I was just reminded of in worship this Sunday too, preaching on this text, preparing for it, is that sometimes I'm not as mindful of the greatness and glory and majesty of God when I'm worshiping. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just sometimes easy to forget it. And I think that's why this series on the attributes of God is um, going to be so important to my own soul and hopefully to our church as it just gives us a bigger view of God and just moves our hearts to, to marvel and to worship um, just more with more um, joy and wonder in our hearts at the great mystery and glory of who God is. Amen. You know, as I was sitting listening to you preach this past Sunday, God was working on my heart in that way, filling me with a sense of marvel and wonder and awe before his majesty mm. and his greatness as we are considering this attribute. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be in awe of him, mm. uh, to love him and adore him, to delight in yeah. his aseity and all that means for us. Yeah. And as you preach, to depend upon him in our daily life and to mm. dwell in him who has eternal life and mm. is willing and ready to give us that eternal mm. life if we cry out to him. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe we could share as as we come to a close, like what are some good resources that we could give to God's people that they might um, be able to read or to uh, meditate on that would help them in appreciating more of who God is? It's mm. a good, good question. We have some resources that we've been pulling from. First of all, we have Matthew Barrett's book, which is very good. It's called None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. Again, that's by Matthew Barrett, and that's quite accessible for readers. And there are some heavier hitters, you know, some systematic theology books. But another easy, accessible book is A.W. Pink's mm -hmm. The Attributes of God. Yeah. It's a thin little volume, but... Mm -hmm. Man, uh, it packs a punch with just lots of really good yeah. truth and quotes and scripture references yeah. to understand who God is. Yeah, the, the Attributes of God, that was one of the first books I read as um, someone who was coming to understand Reformed theology. My, my grandpa sent me two books, Chosen by God, R.C. Sproul, and A.W. Pink, The Attributes of God. Mm, <laughs> and both of those were helpful for giving me um, you know, a bigger view of the Lord. Um, also, you know, in our confessions, um, in the Belgian Confession, there's one article that deals with uh, some of the attributes of God, but the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is a faithful confession, um, is really helpful in the first chapter on the attributes of God and explaining a little bit of what they are and, and what they mean. Um, so yeah, I'd encourage you to take up some of those resources that we mentioned, maybe order a book or, or look up some of those free confessions online, um, because I think studying who God is um, is so important for not only worship, but as you read the Bible and you even come to hard passages and you try to interpret, you know, what this means, if you have a good foundation on who God is, his character, it'll help you to be a, a better student of the Bible and trying to work through even, I think, some of those harder passages. Amen. So true. And one other resource, if you're into 
audio and music. Mm. There's a really great album by a Christian rap artist who's also a theologian, and I believe he's a pastor in mm. the church. His album is called The Attributes of God, and the name of the artist is Shai Lin. It's S-H-A-I space L-I-N-N-E. And the album is The Attributes of God. Mm. And he has a great one on the self-sufficiency of God, yeah. which is another way of referring to this mm. attribute, his aseity. Yeah. It's great. Well, thank you so much for listening again, beloved of the Lord. And uh, we hope this has been a blessing to you. And we look forward to bringing you another midweek musing next week as we make our way through this series on the attributes of God. Mm.